Last week we started the parable of the, the prodigal. Um, we talked about the son. And if you remember, we looked at how the son basically spat in the face of his father. He wished him dead. He sold his inheritance for pennies on the dollar. He went to a foreign land, became ceremonially unclean. He ended up in pig poop, wishing to eat pig food. And we talked about what sin is and why we should flee it and what it does to us. Today we're going to continue the story. Last week, uh, when we looked at this in context, remember we saw a lot of jaw, 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 jaw drop moments for the Pharisees and the scribes. Kids didn't ask for an early inheritance. Kids didn't, Jewish kids didn't go to Gentile lands. It separated them from God. Jewish kids didn't work with pig farmers, and they certainly didn't wish to eat pig food. And the Pharisees and the scribes' mouths would fall more and more agape as they listened to this ridiculous story. Well, today we're going to see the jaws drop all the way and smack the floor as we see in Jesus' story how the Father responds. We're going to put it in context because if you don't put it in context, you completely miss what's going on. But today we're going to take verses 20 through 24 of chapter 15. It reads, And he arose, we're talking about the son, and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and felt compassion, and ran, and embraced him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. We live in a time when when I can say to you, God loves you, and you go, "Uh uh-huh. Right? I mean, God loves us. We all know that. Right? Everybody know that? We're supposed to go and tell people God loves them? It's kind of like this. God loves me. He loves you too. Woo-hoo! And we come back. I don't know why people don't come to faith. Like, I talk to them, I tell them God loves them, but they just don't seem that excited. You know why? Because we're like, God loves you. Woohoo! He loves you too. Like, yeah, bye-bye. What I'm hoping happens today is that God opens our eyes a little more fully to understand what it means that God loves us and what unconditional love looks like as we look at how the Father responded to the returning prodigal son. Because the more fully we understand that, the more radically and drastically our lives change. And the the easier it is for us to trust God and live expectantly in light of who God really is. So let's put this sucker in context. I got the why, the what, and the you on your sheets here, right? That's good enough for today. Let's close in prayer and we'll finish it off next week. That's all you need, a why, a what, and a you. Why did the father do what he did? Let's put it in context. The father ran, he saw, he ran, he embraced, and he kissed. Doesn't that sound beautiful? I mean, if you're making a Hollywood movie, you get a guy, I don't know, 65, 70 years old, give him a little beard. He's sitting there, you know, out in the the field, and a dust cloud in the distance, and some music comes out. A little house on the prairie music would work. I don't know what's playing. Chariots of Fire doesn't fit. Eye of the Tiger. You don't have to fit Rocky music, it works. But the dust cloud grows bigger, and the father's looking, and the son's coming, and the son's head is down, and the dad sees him, and he just takes off. And, and you, slow the, you slow the film down, so he's running, and you got the music. 
boom, you know, like chariots of fire, final race. And, and the son looks up, he doesn't know what's going to happen. And the father's running and he's dropping everything that's holding him down. And he grabs the son and hugs him and kisses him. And it's the greatest scene of a movie ever, right? What do you think when you see this? The dad's running, embracing, and kissing. What goes through your mind here? If you're a Pharisee or a scribe, you know what should be going through your mind? Why? Why? The word ran, trecho. This is an Arabic culture. Do you know in Arabic translations for over almost a thousand years, they would not translate trecho as run? They wouldn't. No Arabic translation used trecho as run. You know why? They never saw a good Hollywood movie. In an Arabic culture such as this, grown men simply do not run in public. It is unheard of. It is. It's hard for us to grasp because we live in a, in a culture where nothing is unheard of. We, we can't really embarrass ourselves in this culture. Somebody's doing something. You, know, it, you, you, you could dress in a gorilla costume and run through a mall singing songs. People be like, eh. But this is scandalously unheard of. And Arabic translators would not use the word run because obviously the father in this parable represents God. And the thought that God would run in public was ridiculously unheard of. It couldn't happen. Clearly, the author had another intent with the word. But he didn't. Trecho can only mean run. There's no way around it. Men didn't run. But this father ran. In daylight. These guys didn't live on these horse farms out in, you know, rural Virginia. There were people around. They would see this father whose son said, I wish you're dead. Give me my money. He sells it for pennies on the dollar. He goes to a foreign land. He squanders it in reckless living. He comes back and his dad in public shames himself by running, embracing, and kissing his son. Why? Why? Did the father do that? Do you ever stop to think about that? This, in this culture, in the American culture, you can do anything you want, and we assume that if you come back, the person's supposed to forgive you. I'm so sorry I murdered your dog, stole your car, stole all your money. Like if Bernie Madoff comes out of prison, it's like, you, know, you, you whoop him a little, but you're supposed to forgive him and let him move on. What this kid did, best case scenario is his dad might let him on the property in this culture. Might. He almost certainly wouldn't. A hired servant, I mean, you're talking about next to no chance, but the slightest possibility, and that's best case scenario. Okay? But this dad runs out to him. And think about where did this kid come from? Where was he right before this? In pig poop. They didn't have days ends on the road home for this kid to shower and get new clothes. He flat stunk. The dad runs to a kid who is ceremonially unclean, who has shamed him and embarrassed him in public, and embraces a filthy, dirty, pig poop stinking kid and gives him a kiss after thoroughly embarrassing him. Why? Have you ever thought about that? Why? He loved him. He wanted to initiate forgiveness and reconciliation with his son. He wasn't waiting for his son to come to him and say, 
I'm really, really sorry. I really messed up. I know it. I want to pay you back for what I've done. I'll work my whole life to try to make you love me and forgive me. Can I please have a chance? That's not what... The kid barely got some words out. He was forgiven. The dad... The, the kid walking into town should have been shamed beyond measure. He would have been. Walking in after doing what he did, the looks he would have received from those people. The dad ran out and took the shame upon himself so his kid wouldn't have to. He took the embarrassment upon himself so his kid wouldn't have to. The kid should have humbled himself before the father, but you see what happens is the father humbled himself before the kid. Read Hebrews 12 too. Write that down and go, go read that some, some other time. Again and again and again and again. I'll read it to you now. Read a verse like Hebrews 12 too, and, and you think of the struggles we have with being embarrassed because we're Christians. The, 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 the fear we have it sometimes in identifying us. You know, people say, remember we, we talked about as we went through the Gospel of John, are you one of those born-again, freaky Christians? And we want to back, well, well, you know, God forbids people identify us as people who love Jesus, right? But when you understand Daddy ran out and grabbed you in your pig poop, you take a verse, I'll take 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When Jesus hung on the cross, he, was, he would have been thoroughly embarrassed. They walked by, oh, can't even, can't even call down someone to help you, huh? And you claim to be God. The pain he suffered in the separation relationally between himself and the Father in that process the, the embarrassment, the humiliation. I mean, he came down from heaven fully God and took on the form to become fully man to live amongst us. Do you understand the humility that that takes? And we're the ones who should be falling before Christ, saying, I am so sorry, I have screwed up, there's nothing I can do, but can I at least be a hired servant in your house? And before we can get the words out, he forgives us. And he reconciles us to himself. Now, the fact that you and I can go through life and kind of, yeah, God loves me. He forgives me. It's crazy. I do it. It's crazy. You understand that? Imagine the, the dad runs out to this kid. The whole town is like, what? I mean, this guy is going to be bad talk for the rest of his days. He grabs his son. He, he kisses him. He hugs him. He brings him home. Now, imagine the kid's like, yeah. <laughs> back off, Dad. I need some air here. Listen, I want my room back. I want some stuff back. And we're going to do it right this time. Because if I don't get it my way, I'm leaving again. That ain't going to happen, is it? This kid is going to be so floored by the love of the Father for him. And, and incomprehensibly have to deal with the, the forgiveness that he did not deserve. I mean, this is grace by faith. And not by works. You understand that? How often do we try to, to work to make God love us more? God, I just I want to try harder to make you happier so you'll love me more. You're saved by grace through faith and not by works so that no one can boast. Had an interesting conversation this week. Uh, you'll hear a lot more about it in two weeks when we, we get into the next parable. How often do you hear questions, can a Christian blank? Okay? 
That's what struck me this week. I was providentially had this conversation with my mentor, then a conversation with a friend of mine. The friend of mine says, there's this, this lady I know whose husband is repetitively stealing from the church they go to, large sums of money. And I have this feeling that she's going to want to leave him. Can she? He says to me, I'm like, dude, take that off me. I don't want to get involved in this. I said, ready? This is going to sound crazy. So sit on it for two weeks. Can she, without, can a lady without a biblical support, divorce her husband because she's sick and tired of him stealing money? You know what my answer was in light of speaking to my mentor? Sure. He says, but the Bible doesn't allow it. I know. So she can do it? Yeah. But, I said, is she a Christian? Uh-huh. She, she is a, in a saving relationship with God by grace through faith and not by works. You're asking me, can she sin and still maintain that relationship? See what I'm saying? Sure. You love Jesus. You can leave here, get drunk, steal from, from crippled beggars, and beat people up. Because if you're a Christian, you will always be a Christian. You hear what I'm saying? You're saved by grace through faith, not by works. You see how we go legalistic all of a sudden? Now, if you're really a Christian, you ain't going to leave here, get drunk, beat up like crippled beggars and, and steal. You're, it's not going to happen. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to end up obeying him. But if you did that, you would grieve over your sin. The unsaved person wouldn't grieve over their sin. But folks, do you understand? This kid was restored by grace through faith, not by works. And there was nothing he could do to change that because daddy forgave him. When you come to faith, when God, when God ran out and greeted you, you are in. You want to talk about the sec- eternal security you have. Can, can you, uh, you can do whatever you want because you are a child of the Most High God. My question and my question to my friend who asked this is, can she leave her husband? She could because she's saved by faith through grace, grace. But let me ask a question. Why would she want to? Because when you ask the why question, you get to the heart of it. Do you have to tithe as a Christian? No. You don't. You don't, you don't have to give a penny to God. You can keep it all in your bank account. We're going to be up a creek paying the bills here. You can keep all your money in your bank account and not let any of it out. Hold it tight. You can do it because if you're a Christian, you are a Christian, period. Let me ask a question differently. Why wouldn't you want to? Your father who ran out... Uh-huh. Remember what happened here? He says, hey, do this. Not to be right with me, but because you're right with me. And the more we understand, do you have to share your faith to be a Christian? No. You never have to talk to anybody about Jesus. And if you're a child of God, you're still going to be a child of God. But if you're a child of God, why wouldn't you want to tell people about Jesus? And when you get down to the heart, here's what happens. That lady wants to leave her husband. She says, because I'm sick and tired of the good-for-nothing rotten rat who's ruining my reputation. Slow down. Do you hear what you're saying? Is the love of God really in you? You see where I'm going with this? You say, I ain't giving a penny to God because I earned that money and it's mine and it's where my security is and who does he think he is? What right does he... You see where we're going here? I'm not sharing my faith because I got a reputation to uphold and things... It's not a matter of a have to. God loves a cheerful giver. See what I'm saying here? Daddy ran out to the son and he said, you are, you are forgiven, you are reconciled, it is done. We have security. Now, in our culture, the hard thing is we assume forgiveness based on a lack of repentance and we just, well, I got the Bible and I got the cool t-shirt and I go to church sometimes, so that means I'm in. 
No more so do you get into heaven going to church than you're a Cadillac if you stand in a parking lot, right? It's all about the heart, folks. Has Daddy really run back because have we actually come back to the Father? Has God drawn us to Him? Do we understand... Do we understand what sin is and what we have been forgiven for and to what we have been called? Because when you got that down, folks, you ain't going to be sitting on your money tight, tight as can be. You're not going to be not wanting to tell people about your faith. You're not going to be bitten, beating up paralyzed beggars. Oh, it might, you might struggle in different areas, but you grieve that struggle. You say, God, I'm screwing up. I don't want to screw up because I understand what you did for me. Do you see that? I'll unpack that more in two weeks. Now, nobody walk out of here today be like, screw it, I don't have to go back to church. Pastor John said that if you're a Christian, you don't have to do anything. I'm sleeping in. Well, you can, but why would you want to? Don't answer that, it might hurt my feelings. <laughs> so the dad ran out, scandalously ran out. He ran to him because of his unconditional love. He was eager to initiate forgiveness and reconciliation. The son did nothing to deserve this. And look, I love this part. Look at what happens next. It's good to read in the proper chapter. There we go. So he arose and he came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet. What the heck? My kids used to watch Veggie Tales, and there was this song. You ever hear this one? I'll sing. I have no shame. It goes, I got shoes, you got shoes. All I got to have shoes. When I get to heaven, going to put on my shoes. I'm going to walk all over God's heaven. You ever hear that song? You ever heard it? Google it. It's a real song. Somebody could Google that and play it. I'll wait. It's a real song. And I would listen to that. It's along the lines of the song, Say Boo. No. What the heck? I got shoes. What did I have shoes have to do with Jesus? I got shoes? I mean, then you read this, you're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. That song's not crazy. I got shoes. You got shoes. You know what that means? Well, when the son came home, guess who wasn't wearing shoes? Everybody in the house except for daddy and his family. In this culture, people didn't go to DSW. There was no Timberland outlet. People didn't wear shoes unless they had money and lots of it. Shoes were reserved for the wealthy, for the master of the house and his family. And when the son came, the father said, put some shoes on this guy. What he's saying is, that's my son. You want to be a hired servant? Get out of here. Put shoes on him. That's my son. I got shoes. You got shoes. You understand what we're saying here? You love Jesus? You get shoes. The ladies come to faith in droves, right? This is why men struggle. We don't need shoes. Well, you get a robe. What's up with a robe? Smoking jackets. In heaven, everyone wears smoking jackets. Velour smoking jackets. You don't smoke because it's bad for you, but you wear the smoking jacket. What's up with the robe? The robe translates finest garment. It's tough. I, I, I really struggle how to communicate this in, in our setting. Um, think of your dad. My dad had a, 
a couple suits when I was growing up. Um, they, they were handmade. Like, you'd go to the store, they'd measure them up, like all these measurements. It would take weeks, like six weeks, he'd go back to the store, and the suit came, like, in this case. You'd want to just, like, I just wanted the case. They were handcrafted, handmade suits. I mean, it never hit a machine that, that was not touched, like, used directly by a person. They, they were handcrafted, custom suits. And he didn't wear these to the baseball games or to McDonald's for breakfast. These were his finest suits used for very special occasions. It's kind of what we're talking about here. The finest garment. This was something that would only come out on the most spe- at the most special time. It, when he put it on his son, he was showing the son was a person of utmost distinction in his eyes. Kids got shoes. You're my son. Let's keep going. Put the robe on him. This kid is of utmost distinction in my eyes. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt insignificant or ordinary? Huh? I mean, if you're not on the, the shows at 7 to 7.30 at night, you know, those uh, gossip shows, whatever they're called, you're not important. If you're not on a magazine cover at the grocery store, you're just ordinary. How many pe- if people Google your name and nothing comes up? Your life is meaningless. But realistically, most people don't know us. We're not all celebrities. We're not famous. People aren't like writing us letters, will you be my friend? We can feel average and ordinary, can't we? Isaiah 61.10. You want to go there for me, Renee? You got tabs on that sucker? I don't... Isaiah 61.10. The next time you feel ordinary, the next time you feel average, think about, let Renee read this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with, clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. When you came to faith, God put a robe on you. You ain't ordinary or average to God. You understand that? Do you understand how uniquely special you are to God? In the, in the most appropriate usage of the term, God is infatuated with you. He is aware of everything that goes on with you. He desires only the best for you. He, think about this, he wanted to spend eternity in relationship with you. It wasn't like, oh, darn, you came back. He called you back and ran at you because he wants to live in relationship with you forever. That's crazy. You ain't average or ordinary. You got shoes. You got a robe. And then he said, stick a ring on the cat. Why? A signet ring. The signet ring declared that Everything that was the daddy's is the son's. Wait a minute. Same kid who took his inheritance early, blew his third, wasted it, squandered it in reckless living, comes home, and what does daddy say? Oh, you owe me big time. Your brother's getting the inheritance, but you, you know, I love you, you got your shoes, you got your robe, but really, I think you burned your stuff. No. You know that third you burned, kiddo? Just take the rest. What? The signet ring. Imagine when I went to college, my dad, my dad gave me a Sunoco gas card and a credit card with very clear instructions. You be very careful with how you use these. He said, you can get gas when you need gas. If you need to charge something, go ahead. But it better be important. But with that card, I could have gone flat crazy. 
because it was his actual car, like his limits and stuff. I could have gone crazy, but at some point I would have had to talk to my dad because that darn bill would come. This kid went crazy on the black card. Beyond crazy. And he came back. And his dad said, give him a ring and give him the platinum card. He had access to everything in his daddy's coffers. So as Christians, you got shoes, you got a robe. Make sense? God gives you the credit card. The ring. You realize, as children of God, we have access to some extraordinary resources. That might not be a good term to use, but bear with me. Who dwells within us? Have you ever thought about that? Um, well, I don't know if I can. Oh, please. You don't know if God's going to allow you to, but can you? Well, see, I don't think God can use someone like me. To, whoa, 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 whoa. Someone like who? Just an ordinary average or a shoe-wearing, robe-decked-out, ring-waving, full-blooded son of the Most High God. We have, when I was in college, I had access to cash because my daddy allowed it. As a Christian, I have access to the kingdom of God. I can talk to daddy directly. I have God dwelling within me. I got more resources than I can ever use. All I have to do is take the steps of faith and obedience as I understand more fully who ran out and grabbed pig stink and forgave me and brought me home. And this part here, watch this. He got him decked out in the shoes, the robe, and the ring, and they call for the fattened calf. Now, as Americans, that's tough, because that's like a trip to Texas Steakhouse. Let's go have steak dinner. People didn't eat steak in that culture. Only the very wealthy and only on rare occasions. They didn't. It was cost prohibitive, to say the least. What was going on in the land? you remember? Famine. It's famine. Do you know... What fatten means literally? Grain fed. They got Kobe beef on crack. How are you feeding a cow grain when the whole population's starving? You gotta have some cash on hand. This is a rich daddy. And he didn't know the son was coming back. It's a parable. It's a father. It's not God who knows everything. He didn't know the son was coming back, so this cow was fattened up for a big old celebration. And then the son showed up and he said, forget that other party. We're having a big time party because my son who was lost has been found, who was dead, is now alive. They break out the fattened calf. We're talking about about 500 pounds of edible grain-fed Kobe beef. This isn't like they got three of them, you know, they're going to call the mom and, let's eat. You don't grill 500 pounds of steak for four people. You don't grill 500 pounds of steak for 10 people. Think about how many people eat 500 pounds of meat. There's a party. There's a part. The, the man who shamed himself in public is inviting the public to come to a celebration. Right? Who is the party for? What do you say? You say the son? It was not for the son, it was for the father. The Bible tells us that when one person comes to faith, the angels in heaven rejoice. Not because they're so excited that person came to faith, though there is joy, but because they see the joy of God when a person comes to faith. Stop and think about that. You feel average and ordinary. They're not like, yay, good for you. No, they see the joy in God the Father when a sinner comes to faith. And they can't help but have a party. Daddy saw his son coming back. 
He ran out to him. He didn't say, I'm throwing a party for you. Mm. He said, we're having a party because I am too stinking excited to contain myself. My son, who chose to distance himself from me, has come home. He is restored. We are reconciled. Kill the fat cow. Play the music. Mm -hmm. Kill the cow. Let's eat. That's crazy. Do you understand how much God cares about you? Do you understand how much joy it brings to him that you came to faith? I understand that God works in that process to open your eyes, to draw you. Understand from where we sit, you have to make a decision to how you respond. But God is not some emotionless guy who manages robots. I chose that one, welcome, that one, welcome. No! We are the elect. God chose to bring us to faith. And when we come to faith, God rejoices with a joy we cannot fathom. And there are parties in heaven for just one. There ain't no average and ordinary in the kingdom of God. So when you leave here today, don't, don't you leave here like, you know, people call you up. To, I, gosh, <laughs> I get phone calls sometimes. How was church today? Oh, it stunk, all right? Yeah. Ask a person how church was. Oh, it was great. Here's some, oh, man, church stunk. So here's when people call me. Sometimes I'll say to them sometimes, how was church? It was good. What was the sermon about? Hmm. <laughs> if somebody asks you, I don't care if you can't remember the last how, we're going to be five years in April. If you can't remember... The last 200 and some odd sermons that, that came out of my goofy mouth, fine. But don't forget this one, okay? Somebody says, what was the sermon about? Go crazy, folks. It was about this. I got shoes. I got a robe. I got a ring, and there's a party going on. They say, what the heck happened to your church? Oh, it's crazy. There's more shoes and robes and rings and fat cows being killed. Come on down. We got one for you, too. Folks, I don't want you to leave here today and ever again be able to say, God loves me. No, it can't, because you can't. you got to understand, you were in pig poop wasting daddy's money, and you came home, and he ran out and shamed himself when God became a man and died on a cross for you because you didn't deserve it, but because he loves you, and he unconditionally loves you. You can't lose it. You can't lose that love. You don't leave here and go, oh boy, I hope I can do a good enough job this week so he keeps on loving me. No! It's done. It's done. He loves you not because of what you do, but because of what he's done. You came from the pig poop back to the kingdom of God, and that's where you will live forevermore. Now, if you're really in the house, you'll see some big changes happen in your life. You're no longer captive to sin. You're free from sin. Your desires begin to change as you go through the due diligence of the spiritual disciplines. But dude, when God says, share your faith, you're not going to say, oh, you're going to say, whoa. You're going to let me go tell other people they can come home and you'll greet them too? That you got rings and robes and shoes and cows for them too? Really? He says, yeah, go and tell. Really? I'll go with you. What? I'll speak through you. Huh? Just go. All right. I don't know how. Great. Let's go together. You understand? We were talking earlier. I spoke a couple weeks ago. When I have a, a kid who's born... It's not like, I'm like, shoot, where's that book to tell people? Oh, yeah, here it is. How to tell people you had a new child. Number one, call them in a calm voice and say hello. Hello. Number two, no. When, my, when Cameron was born, I called my mom. We got a baby boy. What's he weigh? How big? I don't know. I know how to do this. By the time Charlie's born, dude, it's a kid named Charlie. He weighs this much. He's this tall. I'll talk to you later. I'm tired. Not really. You go out. 
Because all you understand is that daddy loves you. You did nothing to marry that you will continue. You know what? Did the, did the younger son ever screw up after he came home after the party? You better believe it. He didn't live perfect, but he was forgiven. His attitude changed. He saw sin for what it was, and his father for who he was, and he didn't want to get out of the control of his father. He wanted to make sure he was fully in it, because he knew what happened outside of it. So I ask you these questions again. Do you have to go to church if you are a child of God? Heck no! But why wouldn't you want to? Because daddy says go. Do you have to give God money? Not a dime. He will still love you the same. But why would you want to not when daddy says so, when you understand what he did for you? Do you have to go and tell people about Jesus? No. But how could you not when you understand who came for you, who died on the cross for you? It's not about a have to, it's about a want to. And the more fully you understand what he did for you, the more unable you will be to not do what he tells you to do. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. He doesn't say, if you obey my commandments, I will love you. Now you mess up. What do you do when you mess up? Oh, Dad, I can't believe, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I screwed up again. Will you forgive me? Of course I'll forgive you, son. Need be sometimes I'll have to discipline you. But you understand if I discipline you, it's only out of my perfect love because I care for you so much. I only want the best. I'm not going to allow you to destroy yourself. But of course I forgive you. Let me get you back up. Remember we talked about being cast? Let me help you out. Trust me. Try again. Maybe you ain't done it perfect up to this point. Maybe you haven't lived in full obedience to God up to this point. Ain't nobody has, right? But you know what? The more fully you understand what what happened here, it's scandalous. God shouldn't do this stuff, but he did. You are not ordinary or average. There was a party that went down on high, and there's a party coming again for you, and there are parties to be had, and your job is to invite the people to the banquet hall because God loves them. You know what drives me crazy? How, how legalism has so permeated we need to change the laws and not let gay people get married, darn it. Why? If you're gay and you want it, now, 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 don't misread what I'm saying here. Don't misread. What I'm saying is, that's not where we start. We don't start with, if you're gay, you're not going to heaven. No! Not necessarily true. Careful with that, because gay people come to faith just like say, heterosexual people come to faith. You think God doesn't love everybody the same? Careful. What I'm saying is instead of making legalistic structures to get people right with God, what if we went out and said, could you live that way? Sure. You could deny anyone. You could deny God your whole life. Absolutely. But why would you want to? You, you can live in pig poop. You know, I'm talking about anybody not a Christian here. Okay? Morally upright societal people. They give a high percentage of money to charity. They work good jobs. They care for their kids. They provide for their family. Really good morally upright people who just don't love Jesus. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to at all. I don't even want to create a rigid legalistic structure to try to force you to, but can I ask you a question? Why the heck wouldn't you want to? Daddy's running out to grab you in the pig poop and you're trying to run the other way. What's wrong with you? Do you see the difference here? Folks, it makes me cringe when I watch people through the, under the name of Christ go out and, and say to, to people in these same-sex you know, rallies they have for, for whether or not to allow it, Turn or burn. Oh my gosh, please. How about God loves you? You're in the pig poop. I was in the pig poop. A lot of people in the pig poop. You can stay in the pig poop, but why would you want to? 
We got shoes and robes and rings. Come on. Daddy's calling you home. Do you see the difference? Now, now I tread on, that's like the third rail in preaching there. It's like social security to a politician. Same-sex marriage should not be brought up in the middle of a sermon. Okay? Real conversations topic for next time. What I'm saying is, let's go out and tell some people how much God loves them. Let's not tell them how they got to change to get right with God. Let's not, let's not tell them what they're doing wrong and how offensive it is to God unless they change it, they can't be right with God. Oh, let's explain sin. Remember where this parable started. A lot of people in the pig poop living crazy in the brain. We go out and point out, hey, you're living in pig poop, but Daddy loves you. He sent me to call you home. He's waiting for you. He's got some stuff for you. He wants to live in a relationship with you forever. But God puts that onus on us to go out and tell him, doesn't he? Could he do it without us? Absolutely. Will he? I don't know. I don't necessarily want to find out by neglecting the responsibility that my daddy who hugged me covered in pig poop told me to do. I just want to do it because I want to please him. Here's all I want you to take from this. Understand the love of God a little more fully. You don't have to win God's approval. You don't have to work to make God love you more. You don't have to worry God will grow tired of you or he'll ever forget about you. It ain't going to happen. Understand the position you sit in. Shoed, robed, and ringed. At least to number three. We live out of gratitude. We remember where we came from. We understand forgiveness. We understand patience. We have focus. And our desires begin to change. It's not about, do I have to? It's about, why wouldn't I want to? Our focus isn't on the stuff we can get from God. It's on God himself who gave us himself through the work of Christ. Do you see that? Don't miss this. There's stuff there. God gives us good and perfect gifts. But God is the ultimate gift. I think it's John Piper has the title of a, a great book. The title is, God is the Gospel. Eternal life is living in relationship with God himself, which happened because God initiated forgiveness and reconciliation. So, all I want you to get out of this, folks, three words, God loves you, And I hope they mean a whole lot more robust thing than they might have however many minutes before I started babbling up here. Let's pray. Father, I pray that that something would have passed through my mouth today from you that would be planted so deeply in each of our hearts that would give us an immense understanding of how much you love us, of the joy that we should have in being able to obey you, what it means to have eternal life, what we have been forgiven from, and and the incredible responsibility we have been entrusted with to go out into the world and call people back home to you. God, I pray that you would give us the, the focus Renee keeps reminding us we need, and that focus would be on you, that we would have forever before our eyes a picture of you scandalously running out to us, coming home, humbled, but finding you humbling yourself before us in the form of a man who was fully God. That we would look at the cross not as, oh, that must be a church building, but as a device upon which you took the consequences of our behavior so we could be forgiven. That we would look to the empty tomb and see it empty, and know that death is not our fate, but rather eternal life. God, I pray you would do a mighty work in each and every one of us, transforming, transforming our minds, 
that you would create a new heart in each and every one of us that would be more pleasing to you, that you would help us see things more and more clearly, hear your voice more and more clearly, see where you are working more and more clearly, and go out into this world and not worry about manipulating or tweaking or trying to, on our own, make people love you, but simply going out as a people who are just crazy excited about the fact that we got shoes, we got a robe, we got a ring, and we ate grain-fed beef because we celebrated your joy with you. God, that takes a miracle for us to see. May the words, God loves you, never be the same in our ears again. May they grow evermore from this day on in greater understanding and fullness as we understand the fact that you, God, the sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent, redeemer, creator, and sustainer of all things, love us. God, I pray that we would see that more clearly, that we would live more fully for your glory, that we would not fall into the trap of just doing things based on emotion. We would take seriously the responsibility of obeying your commandments, but we would stop ourselves from living a life of, do I have to? And asking ourselves the question, why wouldn't I want to? And Holy Spirit, I pray you would teach us and guide us as we do. We pray all these things in the precious and holy name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.